But I'm in a two minds, so but I'll just jump into a brief few things that I've I've written. But before we do that, why don't we pray? Lord, we thank you for what you've been doing in the life of this church. Father God, I thank you that, Lord, it's been on a journey. I thank you, Lord, for the testimonies that have have come out where you've been touching and changing lives. I thank you for people that have come to know you and given their heart to you, first-time decisions. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've been showing up, not just in our services, but in our lives, in our everyday comings and going. I thank you in our conversations. I think you're in our workplaces. I think you're in our universities. I think that you are moving. And most of all, I thank you that you're alive and not dead. Lord, there are so many gods and world religions that the God is dead. But I thank you that we serve a living God that is alive and is active and cares and loves us so much in every detail, every aspect of our life. We welcome you to be a part of the next five, ten minutes. We welcome the creator of the universe to join us right now and do what you want to do. I just pray as I speak a few simple words, Lord God, that people would not hear my words, but they would hear yours and walk away changed. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this, uh, I'm just closing the, the series we've been talking about worship. And uh, uh, last week we had Kevin and Pete uh, lead us in like corporate worship, what it means to to worship God corporately and sing songs and lift our hands and praise and worship. And it was a great night. Before that, we uh, I'm not sure who was the speaker. Was that Cade? Ryan. What did you speak on, Ryan? Five seconds. Um, it was on worship. <laughs> it was powerful. <laughs> no, it was good. Sorry, Ryan. I didn't mean... No. Okay. Tonight I want to talk about worship in our everyday life. Now, often when you hear the, the word worship, it is referred to praise and worship in, in church where we put on some worship music, the, the band lead us and we sing. But there is more to worship than just our voices. In fact, uh, the Bible talks about us being uh, our bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable to Him. In our comings and our goings, that is worship of how we honour Him in what we do. And I want to read a couple of scriptures. The first one is Psalm 100, uh, verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him in joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God and that He who made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pastures. Next scripture that I want to read to you briefly is John chapter 4, verse 23. Yet a time is coming and the time is now when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father uh, seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. I've got a couple of little statements here. And I've got a few stories and then we're going to get the band back up and worship again. It says, praise and worship is how we express our love and our adoration to the wonder of God. When Christians breathe in God's goodness, we exhale worship. For a lot of the church, worship has become an expression in singing, but it's just one of the ways we can worship and express ourselves to God. True worship happens when our entire life becomes a declaration of faith to the mercies of God. Paul expresses this with this very idea when he says, I appear to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Worship is not just about singing, although it's an element and an aspect which I love. It's about our comings and our goings. It's about what we do. It's how we do it. It's what we do our life with. It comes as an expression of who God is, how we can worship Him and exalt Him in all that we do. You might say to me, Murray, well, what is the heart of worship to you? And it's wrapped up in this very simple thing. John 3.16, which we all know, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that he who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. When you look face to face at the cross, and it just doesn't become a scripture like I just read, but it becomes a reality, and you get impacted when you look at the cross and you see that God sent His only Son, the prize of heaven, to come and die on the cross to take the sins of the world, your sin, my sin, When you look at it, you can't help but be impacted from it. And all I want to do is do something in response. And I'm so grateful that God not only gave His Son for us, but He also gave us the ability and the option to worship Him in return. Not out of obligation, not out of religious repetitiveness, but out of the heart posture that God loved me that he gave his son for me. And because of that, I can't help but want to worship him. It's an expression of your heart. It's not religious in any way. Worship is not just something that you express in the public, but it's something you express in the private. What do I mean by that? About 15 years ago, I used to have a tape player, Walkman, Sony Walkman. I had little equalizers on the side. You could fiddle with the, the volumes and all this stuff. It was pretty cool. But I used to walk around town, maybe it was even more, maybe 25 years ago. Um, and I used to walk around the beach listening to old preachers that used to go to Hillsong and this one guy called Bill Hybels. And he had this one message in a book that he wrote, Who Are You When Nobody's Looking? And it just impacted my life so much at the age of a 15-year-old kid. Who am I when no one's looking? Because you've got to understand, I never was speaking from the platform back then. I was, I was just an ordinary kid. I didn't have anything going for me. I, I struggled through school. But all I knew was that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. And I had this heart response that I wanted to worship him. And out of that, I, I was just hungry for, the, for any information, anything that I could do to, to, to allow God's worship to come out of my life. So I listened to these messages. Who are you? when nobody's looking. We could be here tonight and we could be in the room and some people can put fronts up and look that life is sweet, life is happy, I'm I'm full of joy, but you know that when you go back to your room and you're by yourself that some, some of you might be here to some dark places where you might suffer with depression. What I mean is, are we just a a public presentation of who we think God is, like what you see right now is all that I have, but when I go home, who am I when I go home? That's what's most important. That's what's worship to God in our comings and our goings. Jacob, who my son, who some of you have met, he was so hooked on computer games and he still is. Friday nights, he's always up late. He's, he schedules it now and he plays with his mates all around Australia and the world. But as a kid, we used to put a time limit on him, an hour, and we had a password login. 
if he needed to go over the hour, we'd have to come put the password and add 15 minutes extra time for him. And he always begged us, but after a while, one about a week, we just kept thinking, where's Jacob? We had no idea where he was, but he was in his room. And we thought, surely he's had his hour. Like he'd, night after night, he'd just disappear for hours on end. I thought maybe he's reading a book. But we discovered that he recorded us with his little iPod one day, us putting in the password. So every time his hour ran out, he added an extra hour. And he made us like, we'd always, Jake, is your time up? No, no, i still got 10 minutes left. And it just like, I mean, we didn't switch on. We were oblivious. We were just, I don't know. But I remember we had people over for lunch and something convicted him because he had the password and his hour ran out. And he came in and said, Dad, my hours run out, but do you know that I have the password and I could have had extra time and you would never have known? No, he said, nobody would know. And I said, that's right, but you would know. And it just hit him between the eyes. That's one of my best parenting moments ever. He would know. And those words changed his life, although he still was addicted to uh, computer games. But he started to look at his life instead of following the rules of what his parents set out in place and the freedoms that he had in the house and things that he had to abide by. And he took it upon himself that he was responsible for his own life. It's the same with our worship. You may be out the front worshipping or in, in the crowd tonight worshipping, lifting your hands up, but no one else would know what your life is like, but you know what your life is like. And it's a challenge. And once you get to that point, it's not about what people see, it's about who you are. So when I look at the cross, like I'm not perfect in any way, but my response to him is I want to worship him in spirit and truth, not just when I'm here on a Sunday, but in every area of my life. It's a heart posture. What are some of the things that make me want to worship? I'm going to get a bit soppy now like an old man. But I'll read another scripture and I'm nearly finished actually and we're going to, we're going to just spend one more song in, in worship. Psalm 139 verse 14 I'll praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. I'm going to read this statement. We live in an amazing world that doesn't lack any awe-inspiring marvels of nature or technology. It is critical we don't become deadened to the wonder and the astonishment of raw materials for worship. The moment we lose our childlike sense of wonder... It's hard to worship with any great vigor. I was down the lake the other night and it was starting to go dark and I saw a few guys from our church taking photos of the sunset and it was a super moon night, I didn't know. And I stayed around and taking photos and it was such a cool night. But as this moon came up behind the, the airport there, it was like huge. It was huge. And like I, I had to contain myself. I literally wanted to run in circles, but I was pretty cool because there was a new person in the church there and I thought I'd better control myself a little bit. But I just got on the phone 
And I rang my daughter. I said, get outside and look at the moon. It's incredible. And I hung up and she, yeah, righto, dad, whatever. Then I rang a friend in Sydney. I said, get outside now. You got This moon is amazing. I had to try and do it discreetly, but I was really, really excited and in awe. My God made that moon. He made the beautiful lakes and the water. He even made and, and put in the idea of, of, of flights, of planes that were flying through that moon that night just from the Canberra airport through technology. Everything, that, everything we see, taste, touch, it cries out praise to God. Everything. And the moment we lose that childlike faith, that childlike awe, like this is incredible, this is amazing, we take away that worship from God. The Bible says, if you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. I pray that no rock would ever cry out on this earth while I'm I'm around. He's incredible. I look around this room today, I see people with beards. I see people with beautiful orange or red color hair. I see guys and I see Ryan in the front who should be on the manpower calendar or something like that. It's just incredible. But we are all uniquely and wonderfully made, that God knitted us all together. We are unique in our own ways. No one has the same DNA. No one has the same fingerprints. No one's eyes are the same. Sometimes we just forget what it's like to be in awe of God. Take a moment out. Smell the roses. One of my favorite sayings is, have you looked at the sky today? If I haven't said that to you yet, I'm telling you tonight. Regardless of what you're going through, regardless how busy your work is, the challenges you ta- uh, face, take a moment to look at the sky because my father made that sky. He deserves our worship. He deserves our awe and our wonder. And finally, as I ask Pete just to kindly come back up, how do we worship God in our workplace? It's so easy to get to church and raise our hands and sing some songs, but how can we actually worship God in a job that could be absolutely boring, that could be just number crunching, that doesn't excite you, or you clock in, you clock out? How can, how can worship take place in your mundane? I'm a painter, and painting is actually not a hard thing to do. I think Pretty much most people could do it with a bit of practice. It's not too hard. But the reason why people don't like doing it, it's so repetitive. It's your sand, you prepare the walls, you you cut in, you roll, you, you, you sand again, you prepare the walls, you cut in, you roll, you pack up, you set up. It's so, so repetitive. You know, but it becomes natural to me that it's just part of my nature and I don't look at a job now and get overwhelmed by it because... It's just a repetitive thing and I go through the motions. Sometimes our worship needs to become more repetitive, not in a way of a religious routine, but just a way of our natural nature that it flows out of us so smoothly. So how do we worship God in our workplace? Our work can become worship. Everything we do is an expression of worship. No matter what it is, it is a posture of our heart towards God and what we're doing. With the right attitude, digging a ditch can be just as much an act of worship as attending a church service. There is no 
I'm not even going to try and pronounce that word. There's no activity that's not important. When we live our lives in our worship, every activity becomes infused with significance. We turn our daily activity into worship as we offer it to the Lord. The reason that everything we do can be a part of worship is because because God made us just who we are and we are a temple of His Holy Spirit. When we become in awe of His presence, every moment in our day becomes sacred. I close with this story. It's a well-known story in the Bible of Mary and Martha. Jesus is at a house. He's reclining at the table. Mary's in the kitchen preparing a meal, rushing around trying to get everything done. She's working, 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 repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. Martha comes in. Oh, sorry. Martha's in the kitchen. Is that correct? Sorry, Martha's in the kitchen. Mary comes in, cracks a bottle of perfume and pours it at the feet of Jesus in worship and awe to Him. Now, this, this perfume is an expensive thing that's used on the, on the wedding night to significant, uh, as a sign of purity. It's expensive. It's something that costs a lot of money. And, and as an act of worship, she cracks it open on the floor in front of Jesus. Beautiful worship, beautiful fragrance, beautiful aroma. Yet Martha's in the kitchen getting cranky that Mary can just walk in and crack this bottle of perfume perfume everywhere where she's working. Does she not see what, what I'm doing, trying to get a meal ready, not just for Jesus, but for everybody else? And Jesus said, hey, that is enough. And he rebukes her and says, how dare you? She's doing something beautiful in my sight. Do you know it was a heart posture? That Martha could have been in the kitchen cooking and cleaning and doing whatever it is, preparing a meal for Jesus, and it could have been just as significant worship than pouring out praise and beautiful perfume before Jesus. God loves our worship at church, but He also loves His your worship at your workplace. I close with, sorry, I've already said that. I'm going to wrap up with this story. When I paint houses, like sometimes the bristles come out of the paintbrushes and I paint high ceilings sometimes and when the colour's the same as the ceiling is on the wall, it's very hard to see imperfections. But I remember one time getting up a ladder and I'm cutting in and one of the bristles came out and was stuck up there. Now, I don't get paid by the hour, I get paid by the job. So the sooner I do the job, the sooner I can go home, the more money that I get. I went home that night as I wrapped up and I knew there was a bristle up at the top there that no one would ever know was there, but I would know. Who are you when no one's looking? I couldn't sleep that night. I wanted to put the bill in and I, I filled out the invoice and I was getting ready to email it and there's this voice inside me, not God, what about that bristle that you left up there that no one else can see, that no one else knows about? I went, oh. I got up early the next day and I went to that job site and I took that little bristle down and I touched it up with a bit of paint and then I sent the invoice. Why did I do that? Because I, I have a heart to worship God because I've looked across in the eye and the impact that it's had on my life. And I want my life to cry out to God in worship that everything that I do 
I do it my best for you. Not out of ritual, not out of routine, not out of religion, but out of a heart posture of love towards God.